When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. The New York Rangers have won the Stanley Cup. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's not two and a half yet, Fleeks, but it's coming. I have no doubt. People are on me for it. 877-337-6666. What's going on? Two o'clock. McMonagle here with you on our five-hour midnight ride all the way to five o'clock. Two hours in, three more to go. We've been having a little fun with some comedians, and I completely botched the name of planes, trains, and automobiles. I don't know why. I said trains first. People are all over me. Some guy tweeted, I'm not sure this it's as bad as this, but some guy tweeted at me, oh, yeah, my favorite John Candy film, bikes, mopeds, and jet skis, you putts. I don't know. All I did was, it's not like I made up words. I just got two of them mixed up. I just said trains in front of planes. I mean, they all rhyme. It's like green eggs and ham. I will not do it on a plane. I will not do it on a train. But having some fun with that as we get through the morning comedians and but I don't know if I don't know if John Candy fits the bill because I'm looking at it I can't find straight up stand up. There's he started doing improv like he's no he's obviously a comedian, but I can't find just a quick Google search I couldn't find any stand up he was part of like you know um, one of these these companies that do a lot of improv and stuff, but not straight up stand-up but i mean john candy's so great i'll allow it i'll allow it uh who's harry crumb that's the name of the movie i was looking for who's harry crumb he plays a a um like a private detective who is constantly doing like wardrobe changes i didn't mention space balls which by the way maybe i'll tweet out the picture uh, my favorite Halloween costume of all time that I ever did was Barf uh, from Spaceballs. Uh, it was excellent. It's still it's a go to. If I had like to like this year coming up, if I had I still have uh, most of it, I'd probably have to redo the feet because uh, I, I probably lost those sneakers that I put the the fur all over. But I bought an enormous like teddy bear. I bought like a teddy bear. And I used some of his fur for my gloves. I'd probably have to redo the gloves, but I had gloves. I had uh, shoes, but I probably I still have the 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 overalls or whatever you want to call it. I still have that probably somewhere. But and the ears on a headband, I probably still have that somewhere too. But like if I had a Halloween party for a big deal, like I wanted to go to like a legit costume party, I would be the I would pull that out of the mothballs because that was an incredible Halloween costume, one of my favorites. I was Barf, my own best friend. So obviously he's in Spaceballs. So many great movies. John Candy's in a ton of... We could have done a just straight up John Candy uh, movie. But yeah, Uncle Buck. Uh, the Home Alone, obviously. As one of the Kenosha kickers. Delirious only gets a 5.8 rating on IMDb. You guys are nuts. Delirious was a great movie. Rookie of the Year. The, the Broadcaster. Cool Runnings. I forget. All, it's so many great movies. John Candy was the best. 877-337-6666. Trains, planes, and automobiles. So, the Knicks 
We'll get to the Johnnies, too, actually. Obviously, St. John's, maybe I'll go there quick, because they took down Butler um, 82-59, to and St. John's has been on a little bit of a run. Listen, I killed him. We all killed him. I thought that press conference was ridiculous. I still do. Patino, when they lost that game to Seton Hall after having a big first-half lead and blowing it in the second half, his press conference after that game I think was ridiculous. And apparently he even made note of it in this game and the press conference after beating Butler. The first thing he said was, is, you know, we had to have lateral quickness <laughs> after he killed the team. But you get to laugh when you rattle off a couple wins, including against the, a ranked team in Creighton, who took down the aforementioned Seton Hall as well. So, like, they've they've done a nice job here. They've won a couple games in a row. And they, I suppose, have put themselves back in at least somewhat of a contention to be a bubble team if they can go on a little bit of a run in the Big East tournament. But you got to give it to them. I, I thought it was a bit over the line to then use the I was trying to motivate my team. You knew that was coming, especially when the backlash hit. You knew he was talking about trying to motivate his team. And as much as I might say it was over the line and anyone else might say it was over the line, and I still feel that way, if he was trying to motivate his team, it's apparently worked. I mean, and I'm as hyped up on, you know, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a big college guy. I'm a pro guy, always have been. Um, I just think it's, you know, in this town, for the most part, I mean, I'm not saying that. Guys aren't college guys around here, obviously. Especially if you went to, I didn't, I wasn't, oh, I didn't go away to school, uh, so I didn't have that experience. One of my regrets, but you know, my dad was sick. Doesn't matter. We don't have to get into that. Um, so I decided to stay home, but um, that, and I knew I would, you know, drink away my college uh, education, but because um, that's, you know, it's possible. Uh, but I, I, you know, it was. I grew up, you know, even though I'm 40 years old, I don't remember St. John's being really relevant that much. So, I mean, it's been a long time. And Rick Pitino, I have grown up loving and respecting and thinking the world of him. I, you know, the 96 wild, the 96 Kentucky team, me and my buddy Bobby, who's uh, listening right now, working for um, the NYPD, driving around. Bobby, what's up? Uh, we loved, and all my friends, you know, uh, McCarty and, and that group, that '96 Kentucky team, with you know, led by Rick Pitino, was was huge for us. We loved that team, and I've always respected him. I thought he went over the line. I was pumped up about the St. John's season and him coming here, and I expected him to turn around the franchise. And I still uh, the franchise, the the school and the program, and I still do. But I was down on him after that press conference. I have to admit, I really was. And on in some ways, I still am. And I think that press conference was ridiculous, but. Can't argue with results. They've been a much better team. They've been a different team. They've they've been able to hang on to leads that prior to that press conference they were blowing. They beat Creighton, a ranked team. They destroyed Butler. And they're building up some steam heading into the Big East tournament. And if they can win a couple games, if they win out, let's say they win out the next, what, they have two more games, three more games. Uh, if they win out and then head into the tournament and win a couple games, Maybe just maybe they're a bubble team. That'd be nice. That'd be nice to get uh, you know the the Big East tournament have a little bit of juice with St. John's in it. Obviously, uh, with uh, UConn being the best team in the country and defending champs, 
should have some juice to it. And then if the Johnnies can ever figure out how to get into the tournament, that'll be a little fun. Looking forward to those two days, especially this year where I'll have it for the first time ever. A couple firsts for me. This year was the first time I was, I was able to get the uh, Sunday ticket because I was, I was not in a position to get uh, DirecTV, but this year on YouTube. So I've enjoyed that experience of watching all the games on my multiple televisions. And now for the first time not working in the afternoon, I can enjoy myself. I've already made plans for Friday. Thursday, I, I can't do too much because I still got to wake up for the... I still need some sleep and everything for my Friday morning show. But after Friday, I am zipping it to Westchester to hang out with a couple of buddies and watch the game. I'm looking forward to it. So it would be nice to see the Johnnies on a Friday, um, March 22nd, 877-337-6666. Mark in Brooklyn. What's up, Mark? You're on the fan. C-Mac, what's chilling? Mark, what's going on, buddy? How are you? What's going on? You're, I just want to say you're killing it. You're absolutely oh, doing you amazing. And you're, you're at your best when you're talking Yankees and baseball. Um. Well, I appreciate that. I'd like to think I'm always at my best, but yes, I I love the Yankees more than anything, and I love baseball the most. So those are, uh, there's no doubt that's my favorite sport, and that's my favorite team. So it's hard for it not and, to and, through, I suppose. Also, my my favorite show ever on FAN was was Carton Roberts. You guys used to make me make me look stupid in my car. I used to just <laughs> laugh like. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Listen, I miss being a part of that show. It was it was it was fun, and Craig and Evan were. Really, really great and generous to allow me to have that the amount of time that they did on that show. Craig's good. Uh, you know, I speak to him every once in a while. You know, he's busy. I'm busy. We're kind of, uh, you know, working the same hours and I'm sleeping. But uh, I've talked to him a handful of times. Uh, he's good. You know, I think uh, he's enjoying what he's doing. He, I think he's at peace with his decision to move on from radio, at least for now. Would not be surprised if that is not always the case. Uh, but Craig is doing well, and again, yeah, that show and Craig in particular, uh, you know, allowing me to be as big a role, uh, big a part, and have as big a role on that show uh, has led me here as much as almost anything else. You know, I owe Mike a lot at the beginning of, of my career and helping me um, start hosting shows and learning so much working with him on a daily basis, and then Craig really... Uh, besides just learning from him, the opportunity to be part of that show as much as I was. Uh, so thank you. I'm, I'm glad you liked that show. I miss it a lot myself. But One of my favorite well, favorite moments was the Arson Judge. The Arson Judge. Uh, yes. Oh, that, that was that's unbelievable. My, that's, my, that's my personal favorite because they were all over yeah. me. They were calling me because I was like, well, I, I, you know, it was Arson Judge appears to be going to San Francisco. I'm like, it appears. I'm not giving up on this yet. And they were calling me delusional and... When when within ten minutes Heyman retweet Heyman sent out the tweet that he was wrong, and that he apologizes. That was that that moment of victory uh, is 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 very f hard to rival right now in my mind. Thinking of the great moments of victory in my life, that was a great one. To be able to stick that back in their face was tremendous. And then plus knowing that Aaron Judge wasn't leaving, like it was just it was such a it was a win on every angle. I was keeping my guy. He was staying a Yankee, plus I got to rub it in their noses. It was tremendous. Yeah. I have two problems with this whole Steve Cohen thing. Okay. One is with Steve Cohen, and the other is, is with the Mets fan. Mets fan, because th this is his resume. He lost George Springer to the Blue Jays, Trevor Barrett to the Dodgers. Everybody thought that he would make an offer for Aaron Judge. Didn't. Then they're like, oh, no, watch out. He'll make for sure a 
didn't make an offer for Shohei Tani, lost Yamamoto, didn't even make the biggest offer, lost the ground to the Rangers. He might lose Peter Alonso next season. He's gone through three different managers, four general managers, three seasons so far. Two have been losing seasons. The farthest he's ever made it was was to the wild card series, and and he only lost one. He only won one game, and lost the series. If this was the Wolfons, they'd be they'd be getting it. There's, well, there's a I double mean, standard when you put it like that. Uh, that's actually very well done. Uh, yes, that is not the the most glowing resume, uh, no doubt. Um, he did change things. Listen, he changed things. Yeah, trading for Lindor and then giving him that contract changed things. Bringing Max Scherzer here and giving him that contract, paying him forty plus million dollars a year, changed things. And they did have a great year um, in twenty twenty two, and you know, won a hundred plus games and did make that, the playoffs. I, I get it. That's I'm not, not saying true, wrong. but you and got the GMs. Well, I don't know, like, I feel like he felt, for whatever reason, he had to come in with Sandy Alderson, you know, holding his hand to appease the other owners inside baseball. Like, that was sort of just, uh, I, I don't know if I hold that one against him necessarily. Um, like, I feel like he felt like that was just a necessity to get, you know, to, you know, give the spoonful of sugar to help the medicine of bringing in the billionaire go down uh, with the rest of Major League Baseball. And... I think Sandy was part of some of the hires of the GMs that ended up being disgraced, quite honestly. So they've been through a lot. It was a while before they found someone to run the franchise. It took a couple of years. He threw a ton of money at the team, and you're right. He missed out on a couple of guys. Um, there, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I, I, and, I, I'm not sure if he was ever in on Aaron Judge or should have been, but you're right. Uh, Otani, was, it was a fait accompli that they were going to throw the most money at him. And never made an offer. Now, would he have even, I think they got the gist that he wasn't even going to look at their offer. So it is what it is. Uh, it's hard to. Well, you got to give an, you got to put it at the offer. And yeah. also, I, I heard Brandon Tierney asking you about Hal versus Steve. I'm sorry. It's, it's not even close. Hal has have, had a winning season every year he's been in charge. He's, he's there. Obviously, you can criticize him and he's not been perfect. Yeah. But he does his best to to put out a winning team. Uh, it's it's not even close. He's well, so far both... he's been way better than Steve. Well, listen, it's been a couple of years, and you know he 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 did step into the machine of the New York Yankees and what his father was able to accomplish. And Steve's taken over from the Wilpons. Like it's it's a little bit different. Well, he can only deal but, with the circumstances. No, I, I understand that. And listen, I agree with you. And I think me and BT both said because it was a caller who asked us that. Uh, would either team, would either fan base or team trade for the different owner? I forget exactly how it was put. Right, you, said you, said you wouldn't. I don't think either team would, though. I, I'll be totally honest with you. I don't think Met fans or, like, I, I, if I'm a Met fan, I'm not looking to bring in Hal Steinbrenner instead of Steve Cohen. And certainly the other way for me as a Yankee fan, I'm, I'm personally cool. I know maybe not every Yankee fan feels that way, but I'm with you. I would not make that trade. I'm perfectly fine with Hal Steinbrenner being the owner of the Yankees. I think he gives them more than enough. Uh, to go win, it's a matter of making smart and wise decisions. Um, yep. And I think Steve Cohen's the same. Like it's it's hard to just completely. He he was in on Yamamoto, which I'm going to get to a, a little bit. Watching him piss, uh, pitch in spring training was annoying because yeah. he looks he looks freaking fantastic. So we'll get to that. I um, just want to wake. Well, I want to yeah. talk about the Yankees All right, well, because the, uh, I am pumped. Good, good. I am pumped for the season. I cannot wait. 
And and one thing, if if Volpe is 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 bats two fifty with twenty five home runs and a three forty on base percentage, that will make the lineup so much better. I I I think they have a real good chance to win the World Series. Uh, absolutely, and thank you for the call, man. I appreciate it, and, and appreciate the kind words. Yes, th- there is no doubt in my mind. Volpe is one of those guys. They actually have a, it's you know it's funny because they have a couple of these you know tent pole kind of guys where if you look at how they perform, you could get a good feeling for how the Yankees go. Like I think obviously Rodon and uh, Nesta Cortez are two guys where you know if they pitch and are healthy and are good, the Yankees are going to be much better. Uh, than m- many people would even hope or speculate. Obviously, Stanton, if Stanton isn't just a waste, if Stanton returns back to a guy who can hit 30 home runs and drive in 100 runs, I don't ever think he'll hit 280, 290 again. But you know, if he if he just gives you the production of home runs and RBIs in the middle of this lineup and hits 225, 230 as opposed to 200, like, well, the Yankees would be in a far better place. If DJ, Mar- if DJ LeMahieu uh, reverts back to 1920, DJ LeMahieu, much better place, and Volpe's another one. If Volpe makes that progression, because ultimately with his speed, if he can be an on-base percentage guy, like you said, 340, if he can do a little bit better than that, I don't even care about the 25 home runs. Um, They have enough guys on this team to hit home runs. Home runs are good, and I certainly wouldn't snub my nose at them, but I would love Volpe to be more more of an on-base, higher average, higher on-base, higher stolen base, and top of the order, because that's I think that would be if if Volpe could ever turn himself in to a three seventy three eighty on base percentage guy, or you know three sixty at least on base percentage guy. Now you're talking about a leadoff hitter with speed, who if he gets on the if he gets on base in front of Soto and Judge, now you've got to throw fastballs to Soto because you can't mess around and have you know Volpe steal bases and you don't got Judge behind him. You don't want to put two guys on like that's. And then you can have someone a little bit more with, you know, like DJ and that contact and putting the ball in play in the six, seven spot where you're looking to drive in runs. Like, I, I just think that would be ideal for the New York Yankees. Volpe having a big season would be immense. There's no doubt about it. They have a lot of guys. I think the Yankees are damn good. I think they're going to win the division. I think the Yankees are going to be the best team in that division. I do. I think they're going to overtake the Orioles this year and win this division. And then back to your Steve Cohen point. Um, yeah, he listened, he missed out on Yamamoto. That's like, you know, he hasn't been the guy who's come in and got every big time player. No, he hasn't. He's put in plenty of money and, you know, he tried to win and he's made some really savvy moves, you know, trading away, uh, Scherzer and Verlander and taking money to buy, you know, eating up their money to get better prospects is, is world, you know, that's, that's next level ownership. That's next level. That's a major difference between Wilpon, uh, the Wilpons, and him, and really almost any other owner in sports. Very few take on dead money to upgrade their their prospects. That's that's an excellent move. Um, I'm disappointed in how he's handling this season, but he did throw a lot of money at Yamamoto. He did, you know, he's willing to spend money. He brought in different guys. Yeah, he's missed. And they haven't been as successful to start. I agree. And I think that's the main reason for the year that you're about to experience as a Met fan. I think a lot of it is that, hey, I came in here. I had wild aspirations. 
Uh, I told the Met fan I was going to win a championship in five years, and throwing money at this problem hasn't exactly turned the corner for us. So you know what? Let me take a step back. Let me try and do this thing a different way. Let me bring in a guy who's run a mid-market team in an excellent manner in David Stearns, a smart young executive. Let him get a feel for the organization. Let me, you know, we'll start throwing money at this thing when we feel like we're ready to win and we're on better standing and have better, stronger, firm uh, infrastructure and a foundation of an organization, and then I'll go spend the money. And I get that. I get that. Everything I just said sounds wonderful to me. I just put it as eloquently as you can. I think it makes sense. I just think that there is also a separate little navigation. You can divert a little bit from that river, just a little bit, and and create you know a little bit of a, a canal, you know, uh, something for this season. Like there is ways to do both. There are short-term deals or money deals that don't hurt that plan I just suggested. And I'm on, and I'm disappointed that he doesn't feel like it's a it's an opportunity to do both. And hey, Montgomery hasn't gone anywhere, so I'm still saying it. Go sign Montgomery. He's still available. So until he is, I'm going to keep saying it. The Mets should go get Montgomery. There's no doubt about it. But I wouldn't be so down on Steve Cohen, other than. You know, I think this, the plan makes sense. I just wish that they put more value on this season. That's it. But it's so early on in his his, his leadership. I'm certainly not bowing at the the altar. Uh, I'm I'm not praising him. I don't think he's done an unbelievable job that you can't question. But I also think it's unfair to just give out the resume and go. You know, he's a loser. I I think there is some sort of happy medium, and I would be very happy and excited about my ownership group if I were a Met fan. I, I still am there, but I, I'm i just unhappy with how they've handled this con- this particular season right now. I think there's a way to do both, and he's more focused on just do- accomplishing the latter as opposed to working on the former and having a season this year. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Odell Beckham Jr. made the catch with one hand for the touchdown. Wow, what a catch by the rookie. Ridiculous. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right. 29, McMonagle here with the 877-337-6666. We got, we've all, we've uh, pretty much talked about everything, uh, maybe except the Knicks who lost their appeal of the game against the Rockets. Uh, and let's be fair, they got one back <laughs> against the Pistons. Uh, I didn't think there was any much expectation for them to win that appeal, and they haven't. But the, the the bigger story just with the Knicks is obviously Brunson uh, still dealing with a neck and is doubtful, I think I read, or at least you know up in the air against the Warriors uh, tonight. Uh, DiVincen- uh, excuse me, uh, Hartenstein is not on the injury report, so he should be back from the Achilles. And look, just real quick on this, we understand what they're going through right now. It's tough. They got to keep their heads above water, but at the same time, like I don't know how serious the injury is to Brunson's neck. I'm I'm not too concerned about it at the moment. Uh, but ultimately, I'm really right now with the team they have. I'm I'm okay. I, you can't run him into the ground. Uh, it's it's it might be a blessing in disguise just to get him off his feet a little bit. 
Like it's you got to embrace this. You got to be willing. You know that you got to have faith in this team. You got to have faith in this group. You got to have faith in this coach. That they're going to be willing to stem that they're going to be able to stem the tide. I know how important Brunson is, but a game you know against the Warriors right now with everything they're going through and how they've played and how much they've had to rely on Brunson. I mean, if his neck is stiff at all, it's you can't push through to try and win every single game. I, I know it goes against what the Knicks have been under Thibodeau, and I'm sure I'm sure Brunson would love to be out there. And I understand the fan base that this is who they've been and this is what makes them different and special. I get all that. Uh, and Brunson's a warrior as we talk about, you know, whether or not he's a 1A or, or not. I saw some comments from ESPN and Adrian Wojnarowski. Like, they're going to still be looking to get another superstar, clearly. They have enough picks uh, in the offseason. They're going to be looking to do that. But right now, I still think this team, when healthy, can challenge inside the Eastern Conference. And ultimately... It's 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 nerve wracking because the East is so jumbled, and there are you know good teams throughout. Whether it be Orlando, who's beaten the Knicks every time they've played this year, or the Pacers, or whomever, the Heat uh, would still be you know a threat to this team and to the East, and have played you know have been a proven team here, have played well, and, and arguably have the best coach in the NBA. Uh, but at the same time, you have to be willing to give Brunson a rest here. He can't carry the team. And as I guess news on uh, Ananobi isn't positive, I don't know how negative it is, but you know that he hasn't progressed to shooting a basketball, uh, it sounds like maybe it's it might be a little bit longer than what we thought. Uh, I, I can't, you got to make sure Brunson's ready for the run when the team is who they are. And when the team is back to having their guys and the team is ready to go play and win and be the team that won, you know, 16 out of 19 in January and early February, like you have to, you have to make sure you get back to that point and you need Brunson. So stiff neck, damn right. You sit him down like in any sort of scenario, we have to, we have to be okay with it and we'll see Knicks warriors. We'll see how it goes. Uh, they've lost their, their protest, but they got one back against the Pistons and it's just about keeping their head above water. It's about tr it's about treading water until the reserves get back, until Randall gets back, until OG gets back. And finding their footing and finding their groove at the, without running DiVincenzo, forget just Brunson obviously, without running DiVincenzo, without running Hart, without running Hartenstein, without running uh you know Burks, who hasn't really gotten off to a good start here with the Knicks, but Burks or um Bogdanovich into the ground because you need all of them. Because we can question whether or not Brunson's a superstar, but he's not going to be on the same level of superstar that they're going to come across in the Eastern Conference final, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So they're going to have to win with their depth, and their depth has to be there when they're ready to take take it, and when they're ready to start their tr trek into the playoff picture. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Bob is in Orlando. What's up, Bob? Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm doing Talk great, Bob. About how are you? I'm doing great. I'm a little talking about the Rangers. I called the other night about this, and all my friends and everything else are the Rangers fans think I'm crazy for saying this. But you know what? I do not think we should trade anybody. I think we should just leave the team the way it is. I think we will ruin the chemistry of this team if we bring other people in. It happened last year with Kane, Tomasinko, it happened with, and you can go every year except for 1994 when they made all them trades. But every year we make these trades, 
you know, Panarin's no good in the playoffs. Pryor's no good in the playoffs. Everybody's no good in the playoffs. Well, here's what I figure. If we don't win this year, then it's time to trade the Crater, uh, the, the Crider, okay, and the Panarin. Then it's time to get rid of these guys because I'm tired of seeing guys come in and pay these guys, and they do absolutely nothing for us. I think they should just leave the team the way it is and go from here. If they win, they win. If they lose, they lose. Then they start cleaning up house. I think they're going to ruin the team, if they, the chemistry of the team, if they make trades. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how you could see it that way. You can't be worried. You can't be worried about that uh, he- heading in. I mean, you have to you have to give yourself a chance to have the best players on the ice. Don't you think they need more depth and more production from their from their third and fourth line? Don't you think they need another center? Don't you think they could use another winger? Don't you think that they need some I more think they scoring use- throughout the entire lineup? I think they can use that just like every other team can use that. Okay, but right. my my point is. Every year, okay, I'll tell you, to be honest with you, I think the reason why the coach of the Rangers got canned last year was because he did not want to play Kane, and Jury said, we picked him, we're playing him, so you're going to play him. I have a feeling that they went at it for that, okay, and that's why I think the coach got canned last year. Kane did, how do you play a guy like Kane that is totally hurt and was sitting out a player that could be playing, and we're playing Kane? That's ridiculous. Thomas Linko, same thing. He didn't do anything spectacular for us. Okay, that's my point. Now, if we're going to get a young kid, fine, but I don't want somebody that's been around that's 35 years old. I don't want that. I don't want to buy the Stanley Cup. Let's win with the team we that's have. No, it's not buying that's, the Stanley Cup. It's 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 going out there and trying did, to improve they did the that team. 19, now, they did it's, that in 94. I don't know if you ever followed the Rangers. So I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm 68 years old. I've been following the Rangers forever. Okay, right. I still think the Rangers had a better team in the seventies than the Rangers had that won the cup. Okay. Okay. Uh, we had Chaubert, Hatfield, Rattel, Jockerman, Park. Okay, I can go on and on and on. Right, okay, that okay. team was just as good as the ninety four team. It's just that we brought the Stanley Cup. We made all these trades, okay, to get all these these guys from the Orioles come to the Rangers. Okay, we had all them guys come in. Okay, we won the cup. What have we done since? Because we keep trading our players, okay? That's, yeah, and, I, mean, that's, uh, and, I, I, I don't know how you can correlate not winning since '94 with it, it being about trading players. You got you're, you're, you have a team right now that's won 40 games. It's one of the best teams in the East, first place in the division. So why break you, them up? Be, because you need when you know when you get into the playoffs, you know you're going to need some depth, and they've de- they've had injuries, they've had issues. You need something to you know solidify the team and make sure that they're good top to bottom. Like there's no why why not go try to improve it? I understand. Like if your process, if your thought process, don't force it. Like that's a different scenario. You make trades. If you find out that trade's not working midway through, or someone's hurt, you don't force it because you made the trade. That's bad management. If you think that's what was done there, that. That's a different discussion than attempting to try and bolster the team. If it doesn't work and it's clear it's not working and the guy can't play, you don't force it upon the coach. That's a different discussion. But how do you – I mean, you don't think they could use some more pieces here? Everybody in the NHL can yeah, well, and everyone people. and anyone That's who's going to be competing for a cup is going to try and go do it. Look do, at you, do you think that every other team should sit still too? Do you think there should be no trades? Would, would, you, would, you, would you let – I, I tell you right now, I would. Ne- I, if I was the Bruins, if I was the Canucks, if I was, uh, 
uh, the the Carolina Hurricanes. I wouldn't trade anybody on my team. Yeah, well, nope. I think you. Yeah, you. I disagree with you, and thank you for the call. You have to have faith in your organization. You have to have faith in your team that they can add and not lose the chemistry of the team because you need to get better. They need to get more depth on this team. They need more production from the third and fourth line. They they need it. They're not. Compl- I mean, listen. I know they're playing fairly. They're playing well right now, but that doesn't mean there's no room for improvement. And you can't sit around worrying about breaking up chemistry. Then they're not a dominant force. I mean, they have obvious holes that could use filling. It's just that I don't think they're going to get anyone that changes the dynamic of the team. They're going to get some role pieces that you know improve their depth and give them more bodies. They they need it. You have to go do something. You can't sit by and watch a team that has a chance to win a cup. Just go in by and saying, "Hey, I didn't want to mess with things." Like when you had opportunities to improve the roster in spots you know, and it's glaring that they need improvement. You can't worry about that. And you know, going back to the '70s team, I don't. What does that mean? Your your point is they traded in '94. That's what got them the cup. You you kind of you kind of counteract your argument. They were better in the '70s. Didn't do anything and lost. And then they bought a cup. I mean, and trades really aren't buying a cup. They didn't go. I mean, and it's tough to buy anything in the NHL with the cap structure and everything. It's not buying. Don in Inglewood, what's up, Don? Hey, Mac, how are you? Good, buddy. How are you? So I got Andrew Dice. Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew, Andrew Dice, Dice Clay, Clay obviously stand-up tremendous comedian, tra- tremendous stand-up stand-up. comedian, extremely successful, wildly successful. Um, tons of yeah. tons of movies actually, but it's too early in the morning for me to remember them, but. He's been well, in a few. You you probably know them. The, he plays the father in A Star Is Born. That's his most recent thing, I would think. Uh, he plays yes, Lady yes. Gaga's father. Um, there was yep. that. There was that movie where he's like a, a rock and roll detective or something like. I forget the name of that. And and the bad guy is Wayne Newton in the, in the movie. Uh, it it <laughs> okay. wasn't bad. He was okay in it. I gotta see um, what what movie that was. I'm gonna go look that up right now. Um, Sure. I don't. I don't know if how many different roles he had. He's been in a bunch. He's been in a bunch. Uh, By the way, I love Uncle Stevie. Si- as far as what the other caller, mm-hmm. Uncle Stevie. I'm a Mets fan. I go back all the way. I was there. Ron Swoboda made the catch against the Orioles. One of the greatest catches. So I've seen the Mets over the years, and having Uncle Stevie. A guy that's going to spend the money is—he's is, is, heaven sent. I can't say anything. He's learning on the job. Okay, he doesn't really know what he's doing yet. But and he's—you said you said it right. He hired a guy to, to to do what he needs to do, and and he's he's a smart guy, and he'll be successful. The Mets are going to the Mets are going to be successful. They must sign Alonzo for certain. They cannot let him go. If, if Alonzo goes, I will be extremely disappointed. Yeah, I'm, you I'm must with sign him. I, I agree 100. percent Thank you for the call. I you have to have, you have to bring Alonzo back. It makes no sense. I have no problem letting him hit free agency. You got to just go pay him. Then you absolutely you have to be willing to go pay him as well as the other additions you want to make. If you are, and who knows, you know, the fans might feel this way. Who knows how they feel right now in the inner workings about you know bringing Soto here next year? I would imagine they'd be into it. He's Juan Soto, but if that's your desire, you have to figure out a way. You have to be willing to do both. You have to be willing to bring bring back Pete Alonso. There's no doubt in my mind. He's too valuable to this team. You have to do it. 
I, I, I really don't understand. Like, I worked with BT. I'll work with Sal uh, tomorrow. And uh, BT didn't really, I mean, his argument is just you don't build around uh, a 30-year-old th- a power-hitting first baseman who doesn't do anything else. And I just, it's not building around him necessarily. You could still have big-time pieces, but I don't mind a guy that hits 50 home runs and drives in 120 RBIs every year and plays 155 games. Like I don't, that's that doesn't seem like a bad player to have, and especially someone who's connected to the fan base, who's played a very good first base defensively. Uh, it it's mystifying to me that like you would want him elsewhere. I, I doesn't make any sense. De, DeGrom I found mystifying, but at least you can argue the guy was hurt all the time. Like Pete plays, Pete plays, man. Pete plays every single game. He hits 45, 50 home runs a year. He's the best home run hitter in Major League Baseball, arguably. I think Judge is better, but Judge is, you know, has missed more, a lot more, a lot more time, a lot more time since 2019. So he's much more reliable to hit that 40, 50 home runs because he's more reliable to play 150 than Judge has been. I think if they both played 150, Judge would hit more home runs. I think he's the better hitter and even the better power hitter. But you can't argue. Alonzo plays. Alonzo hits home runs. He's the premier power hitter of the of, of the generation right now. You don't allow those guys to leave when they're your guys and they have the connection to the fan base. You don't. I don't care. I don't care that he's not great everywhere else. I don't care that he doesn't run the bases. I don't care that his on-base percentage isn't as good. I don't care that he strikes out. I don't care about any other aspect of his game. He hits home runs. He drives in runs. The fan base loves him. He plays a good first base, and he's just a good dude. He's a little goofy. I'll be the first to admit. I've, I've had my moments with Alonzo. I mean, I got put on the spot to tell him to his face that I find him a bit of a doofus. I've said that. I think he's a little goofy. I think the the act at the uh, the home run derby, while I applaud him for doing it in a generation where superstars don't want to do that kind of thing, the, the slam dunk contest, forget about the home run derby guys. You know, don't want to either mess with their swing or put themselves in that position. So I appreciate that he's gung ho about it. But you know, do I need him doing deadlifts and do I need him, you know, meditating in the in the locker room like Herb Brooks after he beat the Russians? No, I I, I thought that was a bit much. And I find some of his act a little bit of a phony lead, you know, phony trying to get the you know, really over the top. I don't want to say phony, but over the top to try and, you know, connect to the fan base, which there's nothing wrong with. I just, it feels a little forced and he's a little bit of a doofus, a little bit of a goof. But he's a hell of a baseball player. And the last thing I want to do is let him go be a goof for somebody else. Like I, that's the last thing I'd want to do. You let him hit free agency, you motivate him, have a monster season, and you pay him. That's what you do for, for Pete Alonso. There's no doubt about it. That's the only answer. Howard in Forest Hills. What's up, Howard? In some uh, movies. Uh, Woody Allen started out as a stand-up comic and yes. writing for others. So his very early movies were like one gag after another. So I would recommend right. Take the Money and Run. His bank robbery movie and uh, bananas, his bananas, uh, Cuban uh, banana republic revolutionary movie, so both very very funny, one mm-hmm. joke after another. And the other thing I liked about Woody Allen, I mean, he had really good taste in women. I had Mia Farrow, then Diane Keaton, then uh, Scarlett Johansson. So, kudos for him. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know if I'd uh, put him in the 
uh, actor category, more of a uh, writer director. I mean, he did act, obviously. But well, I'm, in all his movies, he's in all his movies. He, uh, he's a central actor in, in, in all his movies, pretty much. So. No, no. Hannah Han and the sister. To be that, uh, that talented an actor is my point. But. Yeah, uh, what am I call it? Uh, uh, the one with uh, with Keaton. Uh, the really big one with Keaton. Uh, what's the name of it? Uh, I can't think oh, of it. Oh yeah, um, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, what's the? Oh jeez, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the the famous movie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she's a little bit of like a beatnik. Uh, what the heck is that movie? Um, I'll mm-hmm. I'll find it out. Uh, thank you for the call, though, buddy. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I put Woody. I know he did some stand-up, but his big... What's the the, the big movie, obviously, with him? Um, he had a ton of them, obviously. Uh, Annie Hall. Annie Hall was the big movie. Woody Allen movies are okay. I've never been the biggest Woody Allen fan. They have, they have some of their moments. Andrew Dice Clay, the movie was Ford... The Adventures of Ford Fairline or Ford Fairlane. He plays like a a private detective involved in like the music industry somehow. And it's it's a it reminds me, it's got the tenor and feel of like the last Boy Scout with uh Bruce Willis and um Waynes, Damon Waynes. Which is an excellent movie. It's kind of got that feel where he's kind of like a drinking, smoking, down on his luck, private eye who gets wrapped up in a situation over his head. But you know, but it was, it was a it was an interesting movie, and he's pretty good in it. But I mean, we forget how successful. I know uh, Sal and BT actually had him in the studio, and uh, Craig had them. In, Craig and Boomer uh, back in the day, Craig would tell the story. Uh, had him in the studio, and it actually. It didn't go great for Craig. Craig uh, played the sound clips of when he made his young son, An- young son Anthony do all the, the bits of uh, Andrew Dice Clay. And I guess Dice Clay was like, what kind of father are you letting him do that stuff? I guess they're probably, there was probably a time in his career where he kind of, kind of got blamed for uh, poisoning the youth of America. So you see, here's a dad proud to acknowledge that he's like doing all the the nursery rhyme stuff. I mean, cause ha- Andrew Dice Clay was a filthy, I mean, you know, a filthy comedian, but hilarious and was enormous and would sell out, you know, every venue he went to, he was enormous. Uh, the MTV awards, right. We wore the jacket and everything they got. And he, uh, it was, he was a big deal. Andrew Dice Clay, but really that's the only movie I remember him being like the lead in. He had a couple of bit parts in different things, including, uh, a star is born recently. Uh, where he played um, her father in the movie, uh, Albert in Rose uh, Rosedale. What's up, oh, Rosedale? What's up, Albert? Albert. It's good. Hello. Hello? Yes, I have a question and a um, comment. Yes. Concerning um, Montgomery. Yes, please uh, do. Do Do we have any information? As to whether he wants to pitch for the Yankees or for the Mets, um, I don't. We don't have any information at all on the Mets, and there's been a belief that he would rather not come back to the Yankees. Uh, there's no doubt that he had a little bit of an issue 
uh, with how they wanted him to pitch. He he you know was told not to use his fastball as much, and since he's left, he's used it more and been more successful. I don't think he. I'd be surprised. It's a it's it's a business, so I'd be surprised if he's really that bitter about being traded, like really really that bitter. But it just it, it, he ended up doing better elsewhere, working with other organizations, and feeling like he got a better deal and got a better. Uh, return on his investment and ended up having better years. So I think, yeah, all things being equal, he probably wouldn't love to come back to the Yankees. I think if they offered him the most money, he would. But as far as the Mets, I don't think there's any sort of information whatsoever. I don't know why he'd be opposed to going to pitch for the Mets. So, no, I mean, I okay, think... My, com- okay. my comment is that um, I understand that general uh, general managers for baseball are being paid a lot of money. And money can give a lot of satisfaction. But I feel sorry for them. My reason being uh, to trade players or to sign players is not an easy phenomenon. Just by listening to you guys and learning from you guys. and Because it's not as easy as just plug in a formula like the Pythagorean theorem, A squared plus B squared e, uh, equals the C and it works. Yes. Once you plug the formula in, it works. There is no formula to trade or to sign players. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, of course you're right. There's no, I mean, there's no guarantee. I mean, there's... Um, when you say a formula, there are statistics. There's a lot of numbers to look at and, and previous uh, numbers and what they've done and how you feel about them, what they've shown you in big spots. And like there are, there are reasons to sign someone. But yeah, no, of course, you never know. I don't feel sorry for them. They get paid to make the, that's what That's what it is. Get paid to do your job. Their job isn't easy. No one said that. Building a baseball team, and thank you for the call, building a baseball team's not easy. Building a football team's not easy. Building these teams aren't easy. There's only one champion at the end, and certainly for Brian Cashman, and eventually you'll get there with, with David Stearns. It's, he's not there yet, but anything short of a championship is a failure. So they've got to be the one team out of all the teams who are signing players and trading for players and looking to build their teams up, they have to be the one at the end. Otherwise, they're failures. So it's, I certainly, it's very difficult. But I don't know if I feel bad for them. They make a lot of money. But no, if your point is, I think the the better point is, is that there is no uh, clear-cut way to do it. And I agree. Like, I've been saying this forever. For me, you know, there are certain circumstances, and once you get to a certain level, I suppose you can tweak for a postseason team. But for the most part, I really feel like a baseball uh, general manager can has to build for the 162 and hope his team gets hot and, and performs in the postseason. Like, I don't think there's a magic formula to know who will perform well in a short seven-game series. Like, you have a much better idea of who will perform well over 162 games. That's what makes baseball different, unique. It's the everyday element of it. It's 162. The cream will rise to the top, but then in a short series in a seven-game set, you could have your best player go cold for five games. I mean, that's just how it works. There will be a five-game stretch where Aaron Judge is awful. He'll have multiple five-game stretches where Aaron Judge is awful. If it happens in the first week, in the you know the second week of October, it kills your season. So there's no way to there's no formula to guarantee success in the postseason. I, I firmly believe that. There is just no way. 
there are certain there are certain elements of teams that do better than other. You want to make sure you get good starting pitching. It's less important over the course of one sixty two. Very important in a short five or seven game series. Um, you need guys to hit, but you could have guys who hit and perform well. Like if you look at Mookie Betts, right? Mookie Betts just got ranked the second best player in Major League Baseball on that list, behind Acuna, ahead of Judge. Uh, Mookie Betts is the second best player in Major League Baseball. He's been terrific for the Dodgers, and he did help them win a championship in 2020, and he did help the Boston Red Sox win a championship in 18. But if you look at what he's done for the Dodgers since, he's been atrocious in the playoffs. Atrocious. I mean, if you look at Willie Mays, his numbers are down in the postseason as opposed to what they were in the regular season. I mean, Ted Williams only made it to one World Series, didn't hit in it. I mean, there are guys who rise to the occasion, and there are some. Uh, really, the Yankees, the only they didn't really rise to the occasion. They just played the same. Like Derek Jeter, if you look at his numbers, they're just Derek Jeter numbers. He didn't get worse. Most guys get worse because the competition gets better. But there's no way to guarantee that's you can't sign a Steve Pierce knowing he's going to win the World Series MVP. Like I, you, you, there's so many instances. Like you, you look at 2019, for example, right? 2019, the uh, I'm sorry, not 2019, 20, uh, 21, the the Braves. The Braves are a bad series away from being guys look from being a team looking to sell at the deadline. And the Dodgers are the best team in baseball. And at the trade deadline, the Dodgers add Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to that best team in baseball. And the Braves add Jorge Soler and Jacques Peterson. Now, they were floundering and got hot a little bit before the the, 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 the trade deadline, so they decided to add. And the Dodgers were being the Dodgers winning 100-plus games. And they added a Hall of Fame pitcher and Trey Turner, arguably the best, second best shortstop, third, you know, one of the best shortstops in all of baseball, and they added Soler, who just signed a three-year deal with the with the uh, the Giants, uh, and uh, Jacques Peterson. And what happened? Soler and Jacques Peterson went freaking crazy in the playoffs, and Soler became the World Series MVP and beat the Astros. And the Dodgers faded out, and Max Scherzer couldn't make his final start. And that, I mean, that's how it works. One team was better and added better players, and the other team lost Ronald Acuna and traded for Soler and Jacques Peterson, and they won the World Series. Like, there's no clear cut. This is how you do it. This is the type of player you add. This is the guy that will put you over the hump. There is no way. And that's why, going back to a, uh, an argument of a topic of the moment, why the Yankees are not going to go get Snell. Because Snell doesn't guarantee them a damn thing, and they don't want to pay $60 million for it and give up a second and a fifth round pick, particularly in this new idea of him being willing to take a one-year deal or a three-year deal with opt-outs. They're not paying $60 million and giving up two picks for one year of Blake Snell. It's not good asset allocation, and they're not going to do it because it doesn't guarantee them a damn thing. He might be great when another Cy Young and then have two of his worst starts of the season in the ALCS and we're calling it a bust of a year. That's how it works.